this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Genesis 1 verse 14. Then God said, let there be light. Let there be lights in the firmament or the expanse of the heavens to divide the day from night. And let there be for signs and seasons and for days and years. So right there it says that God, he separated the day and night, the sun and the moon, for what? For certain seasons, for certain feasts. And so God has always moved by the the things he set in motion, whether it's his sun or the moon. Now, the reason I want to highlight that is because the, the blood moon we had last week, and many of you got to see it, Every time in the history of the blood moon, it has marked significant things with the Jews and normally particularly Israel. Now, God doesn't, he doesn't operate by our calendar. And it's very evident he doesn't operate by the Mayan calendar either. Because remember last year they said, on this day, the Mayan calendar, it's over. Well, we're still here. God ticks and his time and his clock is that of Israel. And so in studying the blood moons, In the last 500 years, there's only been these four times when these blood moons hit on the Passover and on the Feast of Tabernacles. The first one happened in the year 1493. This is a history lesson. Can anyone tell me what happened in 1492? There it is. Whoever, someone, there's a 10-point bonus question right there. Way to go, Philip. That's impressive. That's when, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. What does that have to do with it? Well, most believe that Christopher Columbus was a Jew. And the problem was the Queen of Spain was, was talking about wiping out the Jewish people. And God said, not so fast. I'm going to move them to a place called America. It didn't happen again in the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, or the 1800s. But in 1949 and 1950 right after World War II and also after the nation of Israel was recognized as a nation, there were blood moons. It didn't happen again until 1968 after the Six-Day War in which Israel once again took control of Jerusalem. And then we had another one that started at Passover here in April of 2014, then the Feast of the Tabernacle just recently here in 2014. It's going to happen again in April of 2015 and then again at the end of September next year. What am I telling you? Something's fixing to happen. And I don't speak doom and gloom. It may start out rough or difficult, but it always ends good. And so just the season in our times in our life that that we can look at things and say, you know what, we may not know the exact day Jesus is coming back, but there'll be signs that will begin to show us things. Now, that was all free, okay? That had absolutely nothing with what we're talking about today. Go with me to Second Colossians chapter 2. The book of Colossians chapter 2. And I just want to set the table here a little bit this morning before we really dive into where we're going. And I will tell you today that this will be kind of a history lesson. I believe it's important and significant that we see this. I don't want it to be boring, and so we're going to try to make it as clear as possible. Colossians 2, verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a feast or a feast day or in new moon or Sabbaths. 
Now, one of the ways the Jews always understood that it was the Day of Atonement, they could look at the moon. They could tell off of it. But in this passage, the, the Apostle Paul was talking to the Christians at, at the church of Colossia. And he was warning them, and he said, Listen, don't criticize other believers for what they do and for what feasts and things they celebrate. Don't criticize them for it. Now, I believe also he was telling us here that those things won't get you to heaven because the things of heaven are not in outward, but they're in the inward part of my heart. And so the only way we're going to get to heaven is through Jesus. But he's saying don't criticize ones like this. Now, if we were really to study this whole passage, the next five verses, which we're not, he gets over on criticizing ones, but he also gets on ones that become prideful or arrogant to the degree they act like, well, because I'm doing this, or I'm eating this, and you're not, I'm better than you. Not hardly. That's not the truth. It's not so much in how we worship, but who we worship. Now look what he says in verse 17. Which are a shadow of things to come. Now that's going to be a, a, a topic of ours today. A shadow of things to come. All the old things that happen in the Old Testament, they point to Jesus. You'll see this over and over, that all the things that the Jews celebrated to them point to Jesus. And he ends in verse 17 and he says this, But the substance or the body is of Christ. So the fact is that all we need to please God is Jesus. All we need is Jesus. Now go with me way backward to the front of the, the, New, the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 23. Genesis, Exodus, and then the book of Leviticus. This has been our, our main scripture text for the last week or two. This is the past where it talks about God's face. And there were seven of them. Three in the spring, one in the summer, and three in the fall. Now these were a big deal to God. And these were a big deal to the Jews. And so... Last week, we, we talked about the Feast of the Trumpet. Today, we're going to be on the Day of Atonement. Next Sunday, we'll end, most likely, with the Feast of the Tabernacle, okay? Those are things that are going to happen. Pick up with me, Exodus 23, verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, the tenth day, and remember that, the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the Day of Atonement. Do you know God likes the number seven? There's seven feasts, the seven months, and they were seven months apart. The number seven is a big number to God, just to throw that in. But it says, shall be on the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation or a sacred assembly, for you shall afflict your souls, and you shall offer or present an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the Day of Atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. Really what he's saying is going to make you right with God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout the generations, plural, in all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening you shall celebrate your Sabbath. 
Now, I told you when we started, highlight that word tent, the tenth day. Because that last verse we read there said the ninth day. So you may say, well, what is it, the ninth day or the tenth day? Well, for the Jews, the Sabbath began on Friday night at sunset. It would end sun, or Saturday night at sunset. So really, the, the, the Sabbath starts on Friday and goes into to Saturday. This is all this was saying. But I want to highlight here that he said it's to generations. Generations to generations would celebrate this. Now, to understand this a little more, turn back just a few pages to Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus 16, and we're going to fill in the blank a little bit here. Verse 29, Leviticus 16, 29. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. Now, we're seeing something in there that he says. You shall afflict your souls. What this meant is this was a mandatory fast for him. And the fast would begin at sunset on Friday and would go through sunset on Saturday. Now, if you'll note here, he said, you shall do this or you will be cut off. And so it was required. You didn't have a choice. If you wanted to live by the things of God, you had to do it. Also, it said that you would do no work. And so it's important that we understand the significance of why the Jewish people did those things. Number one, God said to Number two, anytime I obey what God said, there was a blessing. We jump to verse 30. For on that day, for on that day, now we saw it referenced as the day of atonement, the day of covering. Some referred to it as Yom Kippur or Kippur. Yom means day, Kippur or Kippur means covering. So on the day of covering. Some referred to it as the National Day of Repentance or the National Day of Forgiveness. Now, this was a big deal. You know why? only happened one time a year. One time a year. Now, keep reading. We're going to come back to some of this. It says, For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Now, to really listen to what he's saying, I've got to read verse 34, and then let's go back to verse 30. Verse 34. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. So for them to get their sins forgiven, this only took place one time a year. As a Jew, you would circle this day on your calendar. You would say, man, if I, I, I miss other days, that's okay, but I can't miss this one. It's kind of like when you were maybe a, a fifth grader or sixth grader. I mean, at that age, I remember there were a few things in my own life that I would circle on my calendar. My birthday, that's a big deal. Christmas was a real big deal. But you know what the, probably the biggest deal of all was? The last day of school. Man, you'd circle that one and say, yes, yes, yes. Well... On this day, this one day, the Jews knew this was a big day. This was a day you did not want to miss. Now, to go back and understand it a little more, we've got to dig into verse 30. Pay real close attention here for a minute. It says, For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you and to cleanse you, 
This verse here implies two ways to the aspect of removal of sin. Number one was atonement. That meant to cover, remember? Number two, he said, cleansing. Cleansing. Now what happens as human beings that once we sin in, a, in an area of our life, it becomes very easy for us to start repeating that sin. Now, I don't need a show of hands here, but how many of you have sinned in an area and before long it becomes really easy to sin in that area? I can say in my own life I've had that happen. So the word atonement means to cover. What did it mean to cover for? It was the removal of the liability of punishment. In other words, because of the sins they would make, there was going to be punishment upon them for it. Do we have that? Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death. And so because of atonement, they were covered. But just because they were covered, the effect of sin never left them. What's the effect of sin in your life and my life? Well, think about this. Anytime I get over and start sinning, there comes with it a condemnation. Man, that feeling of guilt and shame. That's what happens with sin. And so they needed one to be covered and they needed to be cleansed. You know what the shadow of, for, of that is for us as New Testament believers? 1 John 1, 9. That God said that if you would confess your sin, He would be faithful and just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you. But to cleanse you. And we ought to shout about that. Especially if you're a good sinner. Man, I... I tell you, when I sinned, I was a good sinner. I'm not proud, uh, proud of that. But you can come underneath this and say, you know what? When I take responsibility for my choices, for my behavior, and I don't try to blame other people, I just say, Lord, I did this. And something happens when we stand before God, and I believe it's part of humility, that it takes a humble person to stand before God and say, Father God, I confess my sin. And I ask you to forgive me and and ask you to cleanse me. Now what happens with pride? Did you know what pride says? I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to do that. And ultimately because of pride in our life, it leads to rebellion. We're going to deal with that even a little bit more. So this was part of the, the, the day of atonement. Now when you read that, it says the priest. If you'll note, it doesn't say priest plural. There were a lot of priests, but on the Day of Atonement, there was one. He was the high priest. And on that day, only one, that high priest, could go into the Holy of Holies. He was the only one who could go into the presence of the Lord. And his job on going in that day was to represent the people to God. That was his job. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Now, I ask you to put a marker in there because we'll end today with Leviticus 16. Go with me to Hebrews 2, though. And we're going to begin to look at some of the shadows that occurred right here. And, And the book of Hebrews has a lot to say that shadows these Old Testament feasts. Now, some of this is very wordy. And I'm going to try to break it down where if you have a, 
uh, sixth grade education or you graduated from Clovis High School like I did, you're gonna make, we're going to make it real easy for you, okay? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. For indeed he, Jesus, does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. People that are born again. He's going to give you aid. He's going to help you. It's good news. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. What does that mean? That Jesus was born as a man. Many references in the Bible, when you see Jesus, when he walked on the face of the earth, it will refer to him as the Son of Man. It doesn't say the Son of God in most, it says the Son of Man. Because Jesus came to the earth as a man, he was tempted as that of a man. So it says here that he came as a man. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest, once again, to represent us, in the things to ma- pertaining to God. To make propitiation, that means atonement, to make atonement for the sins of the people. So when Jesus came for the first time here on earth, you know what he came? For your sins and my sins. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cover them. And according to, to Romans chapter 6 and verse 10, He did it once and for all. And what Jesus did only took one time because it became the perfect sacrifice. So we keep reading verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted or tested, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So right here it tells us once again that the very temptations that Jesus went through on this place called earth, and the Bible's very clear in Luke 4 that he was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. It says he'll help you overcome the very temptations that you're going through. You know why? Because he was just like us. The only difference is Jesus never sinned. Not one time. Now, on the day of atonement for the priest. This was the most important day of the year for him. It was such an important day that the Day of Atonement was on the 10th, but starting on the 1st for nine straight days, he prepared himself for that day. Why did he prepare himself for nine days? Well, first of all, there was a lot of things that he had to do right. Actually, when he came in the Holy Holies, the first time he came in there, He would have to walk in backwards. He couldn't even look at the altar. Also, when you begin to study that how he would make the different animal sacrifices, he would sprinkle blood seven times for his sins. He would sprinkle blood for his household sins. He would sprinkle blood for the sins of his nation. And so it was very, very precise. And the high priest was the only one that could go in there. Now this was so significant that he was right that they would tie bells on the the, the ankle of their leg. And as long as they could hear those bells, they knew everything was all right. But if they quit hearing the bells, you know what it meant? 
he had come into the Holy of Holies in an unworthy manner. And my paraphrased edition, he became a crispy critter. And the only way to get him out was to pull him out. And so he had to become very precise. Also know this, that if he goofed up at all, there would become judgment for the next year on the entire nation because of that one man. What's the shadow of that with Jesus? Jesus prepared his life for that one day for 33 years. And Jesus knew this, that if he sinned in any way, there would be eternal judgment on mankind. But thank God he didn't. And that one day was the day he was crucified. And remember what Jesus' words were on the cross? He said, it is finished. It is finished. It was a done deal. So this was a big time. Hebrews chapter number 9. Let's begin in verse 22. And it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified or cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or no forgiveness. So in other words, for a covenant of forgiveness to go forward, there had to be blood. We're going to highlight that here in a minute. Verse 23. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these, the blood of animals. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrificed than these. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So what this means is when Jesus came into the Holy of Holies, and according to Hebrews 3.1, he was the high priest, he came in on our behalf. He came in to say, you know what, I'm going to represent every one of you before God. Everyone, th Yeah, we ought to shout about that. Verse 25. Not that he should offer himself often or again and again and again as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often or die again and again since the foundation of the world. But now once, at the end of the ages... He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So instead of offering the blood of animals year after year after year after year, you know what Jesus did? He said, I'll offer myself once and for all. Me and you were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And with it came a warranty that only Jesus could make. That warranty wasn't for one year. That warranty wasn't for ten years. That warranty is forever. That the blood of Jesus still speaks today. Actually, Revelation 12, 11 says, We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. This is what Jesus did for us. So we keep reading verse 27. And it is appointed for men to die once. It is appointed for men to die once. You know what that means? If Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, every one of us in this room are going to die. But that's not the end of the story. 
It doesn't stop there, because look what he says at the last part of verse 27. But after this judgment, but after we die, there's going to be a place called eternity. And he ends in verse 28 saying this. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. The first time Jesus came to earth was because man had a sin problem. The next time Jesus will come back is because of salvation. He's going to gather all of us up and it's going to be a happy day. It's going to be a great day. Now there's two words in verse 27 and 28 I want you to hang on to. The word appointed in verse 27 and the word bear in verse 28. Go with me back to Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus 16. I'm going to skip some things here today so you can see some things. As you're turning back there, remember this. That the only way there was remission of sin was by the shedding of blood. That was the only way. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would come in with a certain attire on. He was dressed in a certain garment and he was spotless. On that one day, he would sacrifice 15 different animals. Nine lambs, two bulls, two goats, and two rams. And you know what I can tell you about that? That's a lot of blood. That is a lot of blood. If you've ever witnessed an animal being butchered or processed, it's a lot of blood. I've seen those things just, just a couple of times. I couldn't handle it. it. It affected me to see all that blood. But what would happen, you're talking about a busy day. That one day, he would sacrifice 15. And so by the time he came out of there, there was blood all over him. Think about the Lord and Savior, Jesus. That the day he was beaten and crucified, and the, the sword or the spear jabbed through his side, can you imagine all the blood that was on him? And so back in those days, they would sacrifice animals, but Jesus said, you know what? I'll be the ultimate sacrifice. Where you don't have to do this again and again and again and again. So we go back to Leviticus chapter 16. And the priest has been sacrificing these animals all day long. And now he's at the end of the day. And I want you to pick up in, in Leviticus 16 verse number 20. And when he, the high priest, has made an end of atoning for the holy place. And an end for atoning of the tabernacle of the meeting. And the end of the atoning for the altar. He shall bring the live goat. You may say, what's up with that? Well, many times in the Bible, Jesus is referenced as the Lamb of God. But to understand this thing of the live goat, same chapter, verse number 7. It says, He shall take the two goats 
and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for a scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. So they would bring these two live goats in there. And they would cast these lots on them. And the first one that the lot fell upon, they would bring him before the altar of God and they would sacrifice him for the sins of the entire nation. Back to verse 20. No, verse 10 first. Let me go there. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And so the second goat, they labeled him as a scapegoat. And they said, we're going to let him go into the wilderness or a desolate place. Now we go back to verse 20 and you're going to see how all this plays out and you'll see completely the shadow of what took place here How it lines up with Jesus. And when he had made an end of the atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of his meter, the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat. So get this. They bring this live goat in. And he lays his hands on the head of the goat. Who was the head of the church? The Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the the symbolic reference right here of between the live goat and Jesus. Now look what it says, that when he laid his hands on the goat, it said, and he would confess over it all of the iniquities of the people. The word iniquities there means wickedness. And all the transgressions of the people. The word transgressions there means rebellion. And all the sins of the people. So get the picture here. Here is the high priest, or Aaron in this this reference, and he's laying hands on the goat. And every form of wickedness, rebellion, and sin that was among the people, he would begin to name it. Lying. Stealing. Dishonoring, gossip, everything that he could think of. And the list went on and on and on and on. And look what would happen. Putting them on the head of the goat, and they shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The suitable man is the same reference in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 of the person that says, the appointed one. That was Jesus. Jesus was appointed. So this man was appointed. And look what he does then in verse 22. The goat shall bear, and remember what it said Jesus would do in Hebrews 9, 28? He would bear the sins of many. And so right here it says, And the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So on that day, this appointed man would take that goat 
Now listen real close on what would take place here. He would take that goat and he would march him out 12 miles east of Jerusalem. And he would let that goat go. And he would stand there and he would watch the goat. And the goat would begin to get farther and farther and farther away until finally he was nowhere to be seen anymore. He was gone. And you know what was on his head? The sins of all those people. The shadow of that for me and you, Psalms 103.12 says this, that Father God will take our sins as far as the east is from the west and He will remember our sins and our evil ways no more. No more. And you ought to clap. And so what would take place after this man would do that? He would go back into the city. And he would get washed and he would get cleansed up. And by the time he got back to where the people were assembling, the sun was going down. Which meant the Sabbath, the day of atonement was coming to end. And when he would stroll back in to where all the people would gather they would begin to shout at the top of their lungs. You know why? Because when he came back, it signified their sins were no more. No more. See, because of Jesus, according to Romans 8, chapter 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Now every one of us can come underneath that and remember there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. When there comes something in your life that condemns you, that comes from the devil. That isn't from God. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so when the devil comes around trying to condemn you, don't put up with that. Just as I receive my forgiveness by faith, you can get rid of your guilt, get rid of your shame. Pastor, have you sinned? Absolutely. Do you live with guilt and shame? I don't anymore. You know why? Because the Scripture says, not only has He forgiven me, He's cleansed me. And so just as the high priest would come in, day after day or year after year, we can come in every day because of the blood of Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. If you'll note on the Day of Atonement with the Jews, it wasn't just for a selected few. It was for all of them. And that's the same as the blood of Jesus. See, a lot of times as human beings, we have this thought, you know, when I get my life together, then I'll serve Jesus. Well, you got it backwards. You're not going to get your life together until you give your heart to Jesus. If you could get your life right without Jesus, we would have never needed Him. And so Jesus, 
When he sees you come to the altar and when he sees you come in a place where you confess and you repent of your sins, he doesn't freak out and say, oh, no, here comes this person. He knows what he's getting. But it does take humility to stand before Father God and say, Father God, I repent of my sin. I repent of my rebellion. But you've got to get over in faith and understand this, that when you do this, he'll forgive you. See, the repentance is a declaration of remorse. But after I repent, in this situation, what he's talking about, it's also a sincere resolve to say, Father God, I need your help to help me to change. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.